Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. Do you aspire to become the best leader you can be? Then come along with me and GLE. Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another rocking episode of GLE. You know, have you ever been down and out? You ever just kind of been stuck in a ditch or broke down, distraught, need a support, need a lifeline, a helping hand, said to yourself, man, I wish somebody out there would just give a heck. Well, guess what? Today we've got somebody for you. He's the founder of Give a Heck Financial, a host of the Give a Heck podcast, and his company's mission is to empower you with financial education so you can live a more purposeful life. And um, excited for him to educate and teach us how to live on purpose and not by accident. Welcome to GLE, Mr. Dwight Heck. Dwight, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Philip, for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, I am glad to have you, man. Long overdue. Welcome to GLE. And you're coming from where in Canada exactly? Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. For your U.S. listeners or people outside of Canada, if you know U.S. at all, we're right above Montana, the state of Montana. So um, literally six hours away from the American border. My city is the capital of Alberta. Uh, 1.2 million people. So we're not a small place. Yeah. Edmonton's cool. I've been to that big mall up there. That's uh, dead. Yeah. 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 It's uh, a, yeah. it's a cool, uh, a cool thing to see if, if you've never seen something like that. I don't, I'm trying to think of a, a mall in the States like that. I don't know if I've been to one. Well, the mall of America was built by Canadians just so you know. Um, oh yeah. Up in uh, uh, um, Minnesota? Minnesota. Yes. So the mall of America was built by the Gramazian brothers um, West Edmonton Mall for over 25 years was the largest mall in the world until the Chinese went and built a massive mall that's three times larger. Jeez. But the Mall of America, so the two largest malls in uh, North America is Edmonton and then the sure. one at, in uh, Mall of America. So, yeah, but we're the, we got the largest indoor amusement park, the yeah. largest indoor water park. <laughs> that place is wild, man. Wild. Yeah, so Dwight, for our audience, man, and for me too, because I, you know, I know a little bit of your story, but I want to learn more. Share, share a little bit about your story, your journey. How'd you get to where you are today and, and the founding of Give a Heck Financial and, and your mission? How far do you want me to go back? It's up As to you. As you want. Keep it to a few well, minutes and, and we'll okay. see where it goes. Okay. I, may, I may interrupt yeah. you and we, we can go okay. on tangents. Okay, sure. No problem. I have no problems with that. Um, I grew up as a as a sickly kid, we'll put it that way. And some people don't like that word, but it was the truth. I had severe asthma back in the seventies. They didn't have inhalers. Um, I got picked and bullied on a lot because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be that kid. I, I did athletics. I did sports, but I could only do so much. And, you know, I got to a point where I was picked on a lot, bullied a lot, and I started closing myself off to life and living in a life of fear already at a very young age, going to bed at night in quiet desperation. And that theme followed me around most of my life. 
until about a decade ago and, you know, maybe a little bit longer than a decade ago until I learned to understand that there's things that I could do for myself. So I didn't go to bed at night in quiet desperation. And, you know, there was other things that had happened with my health, but, you know, we can get into that if you want to know more details later. But in a nutshell, I became who I am because I was a product of my environment of learned behaviors. Parents that were one parent too hard on me, one parent over sheltering me um, because of my health issues. And it it taught, taught me to retreat and live a life of retreating on everything and worrying all the time. And, and again, living a life of quiet desperation, fearing going to school the next day, getting to a point, being an adult, not wanting to go, to as a consultant to work for people because before this I, i'm graduated i'm have electronics engineering diploma in canada here um you know and i you know i didn't know how to necessarily deal with somebody that was blunt i'd take it personal because i thought they were attacking me when really it was just their personality they were very mm-hmm. blunt very straight to the point you know what I mean? I didn't really understand sure. body language or understand tonality. I didn't understand the human condition. And, and that all changed for me in 1993 when I was handed by a mentor of mine, a friend, how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. The magic of thinking big and the five love languages were the three first books I read about personal development. And they're still my three favorite. Um, and it changed my life. It started, did it happen overnight? Your listeners, it's not realistic to think it happens overnight. We're a work in progress till the last day we take a breath. Yeah. You know, to that point, Dwight, it's it's amazing to think about all the years and the the time that we've had information. You know, I just think about now I get my little reports on my phone of like screen time, right? Or you can see like how long you spent scrolling on Instagram or whatever. And, you know, it used to be TV. You'd be sitting there like, oh, man, I've been sitting watching three hours of this this box talking to me, right? And, um, you know, it, people are fooling themselves if they think those things don't affect them and affect their thought process. And so, like, you're talking about reaching out and you read these three books that kind of set you on a development path. And I think it's so important just to have, you know, be pouring in. Just You got to pour in good information, especially if you had an environment like, like you were talking about where, where you grow up in a, and maybe in a, not the healthiest of environments, you know, maybe you had a bunch of sort of bad programming, right? I did a lot of it. So yeah. what just, you- just, just so you know, as a side note though, my parents were great people. They did the best they could back in the seventies. They didn't beat me. I had a shelter. They loved me. They induce faith into me. And I learned a lot from my dad in business, but you know, knowing now, if I would have known that back then, or they would have known it, you'd parent differently. And I became Mm -hmm. a different parent because of those learned lessons. So there's always good in everything, right? I love always good in everything. And, you know, you talk about living life on purpose and helping people learn how to live life on purpose. When did you start? Was it those books or or was it a specific defining moment where you decided I'm going to start living life on purpose. And, and how did you go about that? Probably was, uh, separated going into divorce with my ex and I go to bed at night, brother. And I'd worry about how, you know, I didn't have my kids at that time full time yet. It was just still joint custody, but I'd worry about how I was going to pay for all their extracurricular stuff pay for my ex's expenses because she was a stay-at-home mom at that time, plus still pay rent. Mm-hmm. 
be able to pay for gas and groceries. So I'd go to bed many nights in quiet desperation and just completely stressed out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 at one point, at that point in time, I was a six figure earner, but it wasn't enough. And then because of the quiet desperation, I actually started underperforming. So then it affected my income and I started sliding. And I was approached in approximately 2002 to get into, you know, I had health issues, major health issues. I was, uh, so when September 11th happened, so this all ties into this as well. I got struck down because I was a computer consultant um, because of my background and stuff, I had a consulting firm and I ran a team of people. I'd work stupid days, 15, 16 hour days. Sometimes I'd work for two days without sleep. It was crazy and it affected my health. And I was struck with, uh, I was struck with a condition called Bell's palsy and you can get Bell's palsy to a certain degree. I got it severe and it took me out of work for over three months. I couldn't drive. I couldn't see out of the side of my right side of my face was completely paralyzed. Um, yeah, it, it struck me really hard. I won't get into the details of exactly what Bell's palsy is unless you want to know, but it is basically, it made me reflect and think because I had three months where I had to rely on people to pick me up, take me for groceries. I couldn't get my kids when I was supposed to have them. They were, they would get dumped off. Sometimes the headaches were so bad from the Bell's palsy. I'd have to beg my ex to keep them and take care of them. Wow. And so in 2001, the doctors, neurologists I was seeing were saying, you know what? Cause that's when it happened. It happened shortly after nine 11 um, with, with the fall of the towers. And they said, you need to find a different career. And I thought, what am I going to do? I don't want to go back to school. I don't have a clue. Had a friend of mine reach out to me shortly into 2002. I was on an, I had taken on a short-term contract for Canadian wheat board to do some work on their servers and their routers and their firewalls. And guy reached out to me, a good friend of mine. I had known him actually the same guy that gave me the books way back in 1993. Right. Uh, reached out to me and said, Hey, I know you're having some challenges. You're so good with people. You're so kind, you know, and you could use this type of teaching. And I said, what are you talking about? Finance teaching. I want you to, I think you should get into finance. We're going to get somebody to help you and then you can help others. And that's basically, I I poo pooed it and said, well, I got this contract. I got to finish it. And, you know, and I had that defining moment of wanting to live a life on purpose when he said to me, he says, this will empower you. If you allow it to empower you, you will understand your numbers. You'll be able to sleep better. You'll know if you're going to have a month that's short, but you won't care because you know that the next month you're going to do better. Or if you know black and white, if you're making 1200 and you're spending 1400, you can at least see it. And then you can control your needs and wants in your lives. And he used some of those, some of those words are mine, obviously. But so I ended up getting licensed. Um, I'm a tenacious person. Usually it takes months for people to get licensed. I did it for over a weekend. <laughs> I studied and went and wrote Man, probably my engineering background, my, te- my uh, logic mind. Right. So I ended up starting in fall of sep- September, 2002. And I didn't like how I was being trained. I didn't like the fact that it was very product driven or it was, cr- or it was, recruit, bring more people in. And it wasn't, it wasn't their mission statement was creating wealth for families. I don't even talk about the company, but I didn't see that. I saw it as a facade. So six Mm -hmm. weeks in, I fired my trainer and said, I'm going to do this on my own. He says, you'll never do it. 
So I said, really? You don't think so, huh? I'm a pretty tenacious person. You've known me for a while, but you go ahead and think your stuff. Uh, I'm going to do it myself. Well, I don't mm-hmm. live here. He lived, he had already moved 12 hours away. He says, if you don't want to use that train, this trainer, you're going to have to figure it out on your own. Good luck. Well, I went from being in the first year, made $8,000 from September to September of 2003. By March of 2004, I made 150 grand right? In a very short period of time. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm the type of person that you don't, don't challenge me. I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to slay it. And I'm going to make everybody behind me that's been doing it for years. Wonder what's, what's so unique about this? Well, Mm -hmm. what was unique about it was me. I'm a person that believes in faith, family work and believes in people. And I love building relationships. And I knew if I could figure out how to make my life understand my numbers, understand goal setting and do all the things that they kind of touched on, but didn't, mm-hmm. you know, the surface stuff, they didn't really get into it, right? that I could help thousands of other people do it. And I sure. trained over the next few years, I trained hundreds of agents to do what it is that I, that I was doing. About 10% of them actually got it and they're still in industry, very successful, but it helped me learn how to live life on purpose. And yeah. I knew that was my mission. And way back then, that's when I adopted helping people live life on purpose and not by accident. That's how long I've been using that mantra, right? That's awesome, Dwight. Awesome, man. How? So hopefully I give you some answers somewhere in there. No, yeah, for sure, man. So, you know, financially, I remember my wife and I got married 2018. And honestly, I had never built a budget in my entire life until we were planning our wedding. You know, I'd, I've been blessed. I've, I'd, you know, always just been able to pay my bills. You know, I, I, I kind of knew I had this sense of like, okay, don't spend more than I make. And, um, you know, foolishly, I didn't even have a credit card until I was like 25. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to pay cash for everything, you know? And when we sat down and, and actually made a budget and, and got that picture, it was very enlightening. It was like, you know, we, we need to do this more often and be way more purposeful with how we do this. Cause you know, I kind of talk about my life in that time as living on accident. Right. And, and, um, you know, I, it wasn't only my finances, it was kind of my, you know, maybe my career, maybe my association, like all of it was kind of accidental. Right. And, um, when you think about some of the people you've helped and where most people are, um, financially, or I guess many people, I won't say most people, what, what are they doing wrong financially? Are there, are there key things that you see when you encounter individuals where, um, they're really missing the boat from finance perspective? Absolutely. Something that I kind of touched on and I've taught my kids since they were little and as adults, they'll, they, some of them live it. And Mm -hmm. here's the biggest one big thing. And I can tell you others, you need to understand the difference, whether you're wealthy or whether you're poor or in between, what is the difference between a need and a want? Most people can't even define what a need is versus a want. Yet you think they should be able to just because of the words and the definition of the words. But once a person learns to have a defined budget, so they understand all the numbers, and I'll go a little bit more into what budgeting can do for people and and an example of how it's changed lives for my clients if you understand the difference between a need and a want, and you know, you have a thousand, let's, we're just going to use a thousand dollars. You make a thousand dollars, your expenses are $800. You have $200 left over and you're trying to figure out what can I do with that $200? What are most people going to do? 
they're going to go find a payment that's $200 and they'll buy something on payments, Mm -hmm. which isn't the best way. Sometimes you have to, I get it. Um, Or they'll take that $200 and go blow it on something and they don't literally need it. Mm -hmm. They want it. Right. Yet if they understood that difference between a need and a want, and part of the needs or goal setting with my clients, including myself goal setting, and, and they tell me they want to achieve this. They want to save for their retirement. They want to save for kids' education. They want to go on a vacation. Oh, wait a minute. I got $30,000 worth of debt. And I don't know how to get out of it. <laughs> right. And so all that stuff comes out when I goal set with them. Then we go to the budgeting process and I teach them though, throughout the whole process, you need to drill into your mind every time you want something. Is that a want or is it a need? And when you look at your budget and it's done, you'll be able to say, hey, kids, or if you don't have kids and you're you're significant other, you say, hey, we can do it in this month. We can't do it now. Oh, you're right. It is a need. We have to get the car fixed. So we're going to have to use some credit or a line of credit, whatever. But that's okay. Dwight's taught us how to do all this stuff. And we've got debt roll up consolidation going on that he taught us how to do for nothing. He's taught us how to do all this stuff. Now we're living life on purpose, hon. Yeah. Right? right. And now all of a sudden, guess what disappears? Quiet desperation, brother. Quiet when, desperation when, disappears when you control your life. And that starts with money, unfortunately. Yeah. When, when uh, New Year's Eve rolled around, shoot, 2020, I think it was the, I think it was 2020 maybe maybe 2019 we made goals for the first time. Right. And when you're talking needs and wants, you know, all these light bulbs are going off in my head that, you know, many people like, I I don't know if they even know what they need. Right. Like I, they don't even like, there's not like a menu that you can hand out. I mean, you, you got your 401ks, right. Most people are employees. Maybe they have a 401k option and, and they got some brokerage, which is handing them a menu of, stocks and bonds or what you know, mutual funds or whatever saying, Hey, pick from these. And it's like, well, you know, financial solutions go well beyond that little 401k menu that, that you're kind of handed. Right. And I, I don't know if people even know what they need. And, and I think knowing what you need starts with knowing what you want long-term and where you want to go. Cause if you don't even have a vision of like, okay, this is where I want to be. How can you ever even define what you need to get there? Right. Well, and the problem is, is goal setting and budgeting are things that people, it's like a taboo topic, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the problem is, is the people that are educating, the number one problem, though, is to teach people anything, you mm-hmm. need to connect with them. It can't mm-hmm. be about an end result of a product. It can't be anything but finding out what makes that person tick mm-hmm. and them understanding what you, how you tick. And being and getting to that point where the relationship can have a form of vulnerability, you're not going to be as vulnerable. Some of my clients are, I have long-term clients. I get invited to weddings, birthdays, everything. Like it's right, just the way right. it is because I love people. So, you know, it all starts at that relationship point. It starts at the fact that people need to get connected to that person so that they will want a goal set with them so that you can find out, Oh, the wife fears this, the husband fears that. I make them both do goal sheets and we go through it. I can spend two meetings, three meetings going through the, the goal setting and the budgeting process. It doesn't cost anything. Why do I do sure. it? 
because somebody that's healthy between their six inches, not fearing and living quiet desperation, running on a hamster wheel, going to work, go home, get paid is living a healthier life. And even mm -hmm. if it takes years before they can financially do anything with me, you know, like do it, you know, for you guys, you call it an IROTH, we call it TFSA, different products and services, there are similarities across the border. You know, even if they can't do it, I know my numbers, seven right. out of 10 people I sit down with, I'm doing all the stuff I'm talking about. And mm -hmm. I make nothing, but I do make something. I make a lifetime friend that refers me to others that possibly need stuff done right away. Mm -hmm. And I, I gain, I gain a lifetime friend and I gain a sense of peace because mm -hmm. I see their, their body after the first meeting, I see they're relaxing more. And I have come, how do you feel after this first meeting? I know we got a long haul. we got a lot of things. We've got to do your debt consolidation. We've got to do all these things that you've listed in your goals. And I'm going to help you do all of them. We've got to start somewhere just like eating an elephant one bite at a time. You got to do baby steps. Mm -hmm. And you see, Phil, you see, they're, they just relax. They go, oh, like unbelievable. I honestly, I've been told by people I've saved their marriages, right? I've been told by people that I've made it so that they can sleep better mm -hmm. at night. They feel better. They're starting to save finally for a retirement, which they never ever thought they could do where they could pay off debt and save for a retirement if it makes sense. Mm -hmm. But how do you, how do you do all of this? Starts with talking and listening mm -hmm. more than you talk as a person and finding out where their hurt is. Where does their hurt lie? I do more personal coaching and mm -hmm. helping uplift people and recommending books and now podcasts and, and, and teaching them about associations and not just people associations, what they put into their brain mm -hmm. and how they think. And I just, yeah, it, it helped me figure it out. I figured why the heck can it help other people? Right. Why can't I do this on a bigger scale? Sure. And that's what I've been working on for 19 years. I need very few clients to live a comfortable life because to do it right with quality and, mm -hmm. and with compassion and caring so that they can know, like, and trust me. And I can know, like, and trust them. Mm -hmm. You get way more out of that than going and being a product seller and just selling a bunch of people, a bunch of investments, or here's some life insurance. Oh, you want some critical illness? You want some long-term care? Okay. Press hard three, <laughs> press hard three copies. Right. Talk, right. To, talk, talk to you never. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, and you know, that's how the, the old salesman, the insurance salesman, they and, still are that way, brother. Oh, they get a bad name and, and they give people a bad name because people have bad experiences with them. And quite frankly, you know, now that I know a little bit that I do about insurance and, and other financial vehicles, people are getting robbed blind. I mean, it's sad. And, and, you know, robbed blind to the fact of, oh, oh no, they wake up and they're 75, 80, whatever. And, you know, their policy's eating itself alive and they thought they had security for themselves and they don't. Cause it was never sold. Right. Yeah. The, you know, it's not structured, right. The whole, the whole thing doesn't, it doesn't do what, what they needed it to do it to, to your point. You need to understand them, what drives them, what they actually need. And, you know, many people are doing what you're doing they, or not what you're doing, but what you're saying they're just selling people stuff. They're selling some product and, and trying to make a quick buck, right? They're not really trying to help people. And, and to, to be fair to people that are in the industry that could be possible listening to the show, I know there's many of you out there that are good. I have a few in my agency, but why are they good? Because I got to them before other people could give them poor learned behavior. 
And I've tried working with people in my industry that have been in it for years and years mm -hmm. and years and having that broken mentality of being desperate, quiet desperation. So they're going to sell another policy, another policy, another policy, and they're not doing the right things. It's really hard to, to break through. But mm -hmm. there is some good people out there. I think the worst people in my industry in Canada and the U.S. are the banks. And if you work for the bank, I, I apologize, oh, but yeah. I don't apologize because you are being brainwashed. The banks are not there to help out the customer. They have quotas in the U.S. and Canada. They have to talk. The retail bank teller has to talk to you about so many people a day investing. They have to. It's unbelievable what they have to go through. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm independent. The only person mm -hmm. that controls me and puts wind in my sails is me. Mm -hmm. And the person guiding that wind is, for me, my faith, God, right? And then Let's my family gives me energy, right? So Let's talk about your faith foundation because you said you're, you, know, you, you got that from your parents when you were younger and it's Still carried do. you very far, right? How does your faith drive you and... and um, just talk a little bit about your faith and, and the role it plays in your life. Well, you know, my mom, I'm, I'm a Roman Catholic. I'm a practicing Christian. I treat my faith, my religion, like a smorgasbord. And people are always questioning me. Not my church doesn't. They know I do. I talk, I'm good friends with the priests and the nuns. And they know I treat my faith like a smorg. Because here for the listeners and for you, if you go to a buffet, do you eat everything at the buffet? Do you like everything at the buffet? Your answer is going to be, well, no. But do you initially try everything at the buffet or stuff that looks interesting? And you might not like it, but you'll go back up for seconds of the things that satiate you and make you feel good, right? So with my faith, that's how I treat my faith. I treat I, Faith is important to me. And when my hardest, troublous, hardest points in my life, prayer and God have kept me sane through being bullied as a kid to having a degenerative spine disease, which I still suffer from today. Um, and literally I pray all the time and I should be beyond crippled and I'm not. And I know it's God as his messenger out there to help people not live in quiet desperation, live on purpose. God's given me strength to push past all the bullying, to push past getting divorced to push past eventually becoming a full-time dad for my kids, my five kids mm -hmm. to be able to make it through those nights. I pray to God and you know, my faith, if it was not for my faith, I would not be talking to you right now, God and my belief in the 10 commandments as rules that are very simple. Doesn't mean you're easy to follow for some people, but they're very simple to understand. I follow the path and understand what Jesus did for us. And it God put me on this planet for a bigger purpose than to, to be about money. Yes, I want money. Yes, I want more money. Why? Because I give it and help my five kids out. And I help out my church. I help mm -hmm. out other people. I lend money to, well, I shouldn't say lend. I give money to people, that friends of mine that are hurting. Right. Money is a tool. Mm -hmm. It has no personality, right? Sure. God wants us to use that tool to help uplift and change society. So my faith, and we'll, we'll end on one thing uh, with faith. I believe in a mantra. It's been part of my social media for, I don't know, 15 years. And I've talked about it. You know, fear knocked at the door. Faith answered and no one was there. 
if you live a life of having faith and believing, if you don't believe in God, but you believe in mankind, you believe in the universe, whatever you just have faith that there's better out there, that mm -hmm. there's good people. And you remember that little phrase that when fear comes into your life and you think faith's going to squash it, it will. So fear mm -hmm. knocked at the door, faith answered, and nobody was there. Is I live that way, brother. My faith is number one in my life. It always will be because God gave me an opportunity to wake up this morning, to praise his name, to have gratitude for having another day to be alive, mm -hmm. to change other people's lives, including my own. You know, that's awesome, Dwight. And, you know, it, many people aren't comfortable sharing their faith, you know, and, and that's sad, I think. And, you know, we're kind of in this politically correct world where we face persecution for, for sharing. And, and it's not necessarily like heavy persecution, but, you know, maybe it's, it's criticism, whatever. But, you know, I don't really know how people get by during hard times in their life. You know, as someone who's been a lifelong Christian myself, I can't imagine in the tough times in my life not having that faith and not knowing what I know about what Jesus did for me because, you know, it just seems like your life would just be fleeting and meaningless without, without that true North to guide. And, you know, if, if you're just operating on, there is no truth and any, anything's right out there, there's no true North to guide. And, and really there's no way to steer the boat. And, you know, I really think, your comment about money mentality is huge because I was wrong about this for a long time, I think in my, in my head and, and didn't really understand, you know, I, I think many Christians and, and people think sometimes it's bad to have a lot of money. And I, I think you nailed it. It's why do you want the money? What are you going to do with the money? What does God put you, you know, you have skills and gifts and vocation that God has given you isn't it your obligation to use those to maybe make as much money as you can, which you could then go help way more. I mean, you people with no money can't help anybody. Right. They can't help themselves. Exactly. Sadly, right. Exactly. So when, when you're, you know, say I'm coming out of college, say I'm university for the, for the Canadian audience. Um, I'm coming we out colleges of university. Here. We have colleges here too. Just, FYI, we have both university and colleges here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So college is is like uh, community college or uh, a lot of a lot of them. Well, no, there's like a two year sort of. Sort yeah, of they thing. have they have two year, but they also have colleges here that offer four year programs. It all depends. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 we yeah. have university. I went to a technical college for electronics for engineering. I I didn't want to waste four years of my life. I went into it hard and fast for two years. So and did it in two years. I don't have a degree. They have a, they, I have a diploma, but then again, for years in the electronics field, I was the boss of people that come out of university. No offense to university right, right. people. <laughs> I was taught how to get at it. I was right. taught how to get at it. And if, and I started with 185 people in my engineering class, 18 of us graduated after two years. Wow. So, do you think it was a little tough? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's great. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny all these smart people going and getting degrees and, and then, you know, you hear folks like, uh, the Brad Lee's of the world. I don't know if you listen to dropping bombs podcast ever, or if you've heard of Brad Lee, but oh, I know who he is, but we I, won't get into my opinion of him. 
<laughs> he he makes a funny comment. He cracks me up, man. I find his show entertaining, but he uh he makes oh, he a does, funny he comment. Makes that me laugh. He, he makes he, me laugh. He didn't even go to high school. He dropped out of high school. He doesn't even have a a diploma. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't and, know. And um he now now he's got an MBA and a CPA and a you know whatever and and they're all working for him. <laughs> so, you know, he he kind of makes this comment that it's just, you know, you don't need to go to school necessarily to do amazing things with your life. And and I think that's kind of just beaten into the heads of our society today that, you know, that's the path, go to school and do your thing. And, and, you know, most yeah. of the really wildly successful people I know didn't, you know, they, they took an alternate path or they did. And then they did more unconventional things with their lives. So thinking back to that, example right so i'm i'm in a bunch of debt i'm coming out of school i maybe don't have that great income right now what what do you take that individual through maybe give us some practical tips and tricks and and uh, tactics what what's the process when you start looking at your financial portfolio where do you start well let's say somebody's coming out of college majority of them um, as a side note too you are correct most people that get University, college, don't even, 70% in Canada don't even do what they went to school for after they have that diploma or degree. I'm a prime example. I didn't go to school for finance. I'm in finance. I went for electronics engineering. But on a side note, if you're coming fresh out of college or university, a lot of people have student loan debt. It's a huge epidemic problem in the U.S. and Canada. And I've gotten to the point where we, I sit them down. I'll say, okay let's say it's six months out after they graduated, they've got a job, they know what their defined income is going to be, they're getting a salary. We'll sit down and I still goal set. Obviously, somebody fresh out of school's goals aren't going to be the same as somebody that's married, right? Or somebody right. that's married with kids. Mm -hmm. um, so I literally, I'll still goal set with them. And I know which goals are going to be. They want to retire because that's all they've heard, right? They want to, they want to be able to retire someday. They want to be able to pay off their student loans and they want to literally, so I, I take them to the same process. I'll say, well, you know, the, the number one thing is congratulations for sitting with me. Most young people, it's hard to get them to sit with me in their early twenties, mid twenties, right. no problem. Mid twenties, no problem. Cause once your brain develops 24, 25 men and women are think differently, which it's been scientifically proven. So I'll sit down and I'll say to them, let's goal set with you. Let's figure out, what do you need? I teach them about the needs and the wants. That's critical, especially when they're fresh out of school and all of a sudden they're making some good money. All yeah. of a sudden, it, it, depending on what their career is, they're making some good money and they're just throwing away and they're going out partying, buying fancy cards. If I catch them soon enough, I teach them the difference between needs and wants and live within their means. What mm -hmm. is you, what do you, you know, Bob, Sally, whatever their names are, what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want? right? Well, I'm not quite sure. Well, let's talk about it. You want a new car, right? You got a beater car, right? Because I do net worth analysis on them, no matter what age, what do they own? Oh, sure, what, do yeah. they, what do they possess? So I need to understand what they possess. Well, I'd like to get a newer car. What are you thinking about? And they'll tell me and I'll say, oh, that's going to cost you this amount a month. We'll start click, click, click. And they're writing it down, depending on what, how short of a meeting it can be. And, you know, and I'll say to them, okay, we got that. Now what's your rent? Oh, you got to, you know, what, what are your, what's your student loan payments? And I, and I literally help them understand, okay, you're bringing in 
let's just use a stupid number. They're bringing in 5,000 a month and we add up all the numbers and it's costing them six because I want them to have that realization that six inches between their ears. I want mm-hmm. them to, to light up for them to realize, oh, wow. So, and I'll, and I'll, and literally, you know, in a nutshell, I'll say to them, if you live this kind of life, you're not living it on purpose because you're going to continually drive yourself into a debt situation. Maybe the first year you won't care, mm-hmm. but what about the second, third and fourth year? Now, all of a sudden you got to backtrack to get out of that circumstance. So let's, let's sit and dial it back. Where, you know, we've got all your, let's, you know, again, this could take a couple, three meetings. We've got it all budgeted, everything that you want. We got your goals over here. Mm-hmm. Let's start breaking them down into little baby steps. But the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to take that income and you're going to save X amount. Usually I recommend 10% right off the hop. And they'll say, well, why? Well, the most successful people understand that they have to pay themselves first. And what do you mean pay yourself first? Well, you're important, right? Well, of course I'm important. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, you want to retire someday, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, in order to have that, you don't know if you're going to have that retirement future, Mm -hmm. but pay yourself first means you're going to save some of your income. So if you're bringing in 5,000 and we say you're going to do 10%, you're going to save $500 every single month. It's going to come out of your bank account, right into your investments. Maybe it's some of it's life insurance, if it makes sense and you need protection for yourself and family, only if it makes sense. Part of it's investment, maybe part of it's life insurance. Maybe it's all investments. Maybe mm-hmm. you got life insurance already because some parents have done that for right, their kids right, already, right. right? And I'll tell them, now you have this circumstance where you're saving this and you learn to live off 4,500 mm-hmm. and they'll go, well, that's going to make it even harder. Well, you're right. It will, but I'm here to coach you and mentor and help you through that process. So let's look at your numbers now in this spread. I'm using the same spreadsheet, by the way, that I, that I created 19 years ago. Right. I just had it. Nice. I just had it. I just had it updated. <laughs> I had it updated. I hired a guy to put some fancy graphs on. So it shows a pie chart. It'll show you a little sliver of savings or it shows, you no savings because I wanted it to be visual and more popping. Yeah. So I had that done about six, seven months ago. That's my awesome. clients, my clients love that little visual. So that budget sheet will look at it and say, okay, well, you got 4,500 now. Mm-hmm. Your expenses are 6,000 and it shows, mm-hmm. it says you got a negative month, right? And, it, yeah. and we, we forecast it forward and, and I'll tell them, okay, so what can we cut out? What can we change? In some circumstances, I ca- they can't save 10%. They can save five. Okay, well, you're going to say at least you're ahead of the curve. Sure, curve sure. Everybody else, you're putting 250 away. Right. Even if it's 50 bucks. It's right. a, it, it helps cement in their mindset that they're paying themselves and saving for a future, mm-hmm. but they're still living life today on within their means, living a life on purpose. And they're not just going to work, go home, get paid, living on that hamster wheel. Then 10 right. years out, now they're in their thirties and realizing they, their, their life is not what they thought it would be. They still have all the student loan debt. They all have all this credit right. card debt. Now right. they, they own a car that's not worth what they, you know, they, originally bought it for and they're sure. they're on in debt right so it's a lot of a lot of work i don't know if i answered your question properly but one thing i think super important you know i love paying yourself first obviously is huge and for me it took me a while and i didn't really know what it meant to save right because you said save and then you started saying investments and and insurance and all these other vehicles 
I think most people, when they think of save, they're thinking of a savings account. They're thinking of, you know, not necessarily what I would consider a good savings vehicle. And what I didn't understand, and life insurance is one of the best, if not the best savings, you know, true guaranteed return savings vehicles out there. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. There's nothing that can beat life insurance if it's done properly. If it's done properly. That's, yeah, there's and, nothing, nothing can beat it. And I can give your listeners a very simple example. Yeah, give it. Think, think about the fact of you have $200. We'll use that $200 mark. $200 saved into an investment. So let's say your life insurance policy is, you know, $1 million and it's got a savings component costing you 200 a month, mm-hmm. right? One year later, you pass away. It's going to pay out $1 million mm-hmm. and you've only spent $2,400. On the investment side, a year later, you've put $200 into investment. It's worth $2,400. I'm going to be really kind and say that investment did a 100% rate of return. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you got $4,800 and you pass away. What do, what do you get? $4,800, right? Other person gets a million. Mm-hmm. It, it is that simple. You cannot beat the compounding effect of life insurance if it's structured correctly. And if it's done over a long-term period and it's a proper type of life insurance and you've, and it's been monitored mm-hmm. and depending on the type of life insurance it is, you can literally um, use it as an investment, uh, pardon me, as a retirement vehicle. Mm-hmm. And it's a great estate planning vehicle. Let's say your retirement works out great because you I don't tell people to do it all in life insurance. You got to be diversified. But your retirement, your investment, maybe you own a business, you're an entrepreneur, your career, you made crap loads of money. Good yeah. for you. Guess what that life insurance policy is now good for? Estate yeah. planning. Yeah. If you don't have kids, leave it to your church. Leave right. it to the local SPCA, like this the animal shelter. Leave it mm-hmm. to the women's shelter. Leave it to whatever. Right. right. A wise man That's- leaves a legacy to his children's children's children. Right. And, you know, that's something yeah. I ignored taxes. <laughs> all you all you kids out there, if you're listening, taxes, if you can avoid taxes legally, then you're essentially just giving yourself a raise and, and increasing your income. Right. So pay attention to taxes. There's there's a tax laws for a reason incentivizes you to do certain things that help society, like give people housing and and things like that and, and many others. But, you know, taxes are a huge thing and avoiding them and avoiding death tax and, and avoiding um, estate taxes and things with life insurance is an, an incredible way to pass your wealth to the next generation tax-free and really, you know, set them up to inherit way more and, and be in a way better position than, uh, than they would have been if you didn't use a vehicle like that. So, you know, that, that's a huge one. I didn't pay attention to, and I want our audience to pay attention to, cause I, you know, it's just so huge. Do you, you know, one of the, I have 10 specific goals that I go through and each of those goals has subcategories. So 10 major goals and then subcategories. Mm-hmm. One of them is um, leaving a legacy like wealth to your children. And then, you know, obviously retirement, I have clients that if they've been coached properly, they've lived a retired uh, a living life and then a retired life very poor because they want to leave stuff to their kids. Mm-hmm. It's especially important to certain immigrant cultures, especially important. And if you can teach them that if you catch it soon enough, 
and you teach them to live a life on purpose and you structure their budgeting so they can do insurance and investing, if they're literally all of a sudden, you can tell them, hey, you know what? You can spend all your pension money that we've set up for you or that you got from your corporate job and you're we've set up this permanent policy. We've done it correctly. It's now self-funding your funding itself. You don't have to pay for it anymore. And your kids are going to get a million, two million, three million, whatever, mm -hmm. right? And is that possible? Has it happened? Absolutely. Sure. It can happen any whether you live in the states, whether you live in uh, Canada. You, I, I have clients in uh, not well. Shouldn't say clients. I have people, friends of mine that live in Australia because I can coach people about all the things I talk about. I can't sell right. them products outside of my country, sure. but I can still help them. So, listeners, I can help you with everything I talked about. And I'll even help you with your local country and understanding your local products and stuff and what you should utilize or have you find somebody they can communicate with me and I can vet, vet them for you because I can vet somebody really fast, whether or not they're a caring right. person or if they're just a snake in the grass. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, Dwight. And I want everybody to hear this because, you know, don't be stubborn. Don't think, you know, I'm an engineer, so I'm the type that wants to go create my own spreadsheet, right? And like reinvent the wheel. There's people out there that do this, that know what they're doing. And you got to find people you can trust. Having people in your network like that is huge. If you're somebody who's never sat down and really looked at a picture of your finance situation, your finances, your future, your goals, if you don't have goals, if you don't even know where to start, Ultimately, you're going to have to be able to crunch the numbers. And if you don't know how to do that now, finding somebody like a Dwight Heck is going to be a great resource for you. So Dwight, if people are looking for support, learning how to do this for themselves, where can they find you and reach out to you for support? The best way um, to reach out to me is on my website. I had it designed specifically so that you can go in and click portal buttons. And so it's www.giveahack.com. So that's giveahack.com. You can go on there. You can click on the finance portal, go into there. You can check me out. You can check out about uh, my about section, about some of the things, you know, that we haven't discussed today in regards to my, my life and what I do for people. You can click at the bottom and email me. You can check me out. All my social media links are there. So giveaheck.com is the best way to reach out to me. So make sure you go follow Dwight. Dwight's, I, we're part of the 365 Driven Society. That's how we met. Tony Watley connected us with his network and, um, you know, just really thankful to be connected to a great man like Dwight and uh, have the opportunity to have you on, brother. It's been a pleasure. Check out giveaheck.com. Go follow Dwight on social and make sure you check out his podcast, the Give a Heck podcast, too. He's sharing some really great content on, on social and via his podcast. So make sure you check that out. Thanks again, Dwight, for coming on the show, brother. I wish we had more time. We're going to have to do this again. You bet. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on. All right, brother. If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go lead.